Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Good morning. It is Thursday, August 10th. It is five minutes after 10. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. He's Rob Kendall. You can find him on Twitter, Rob M. Kendall, like you're yelling at him using his middle name, Rob M. Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. You can find me there, Casey Daniels 317. Did your parents use my middle name when you were a when you were a kid? Mm hmm. Did they? Yeah. Did they? Did they? They did it when you were in trouble, right? Sure. Right. Which was not often. Yeah. So when that middle name came out, you knew. Oh boy. Yeah. Listen up. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Never. Uh, you were such a good child. Never happened. Uh, <laughs> there was there was no more. So uh, my mother was a was a public school teacher, and so she would be home before my dad would be home. And there was no more fearful phrase than Robert Michael, when mm-hmm. your dad gets home, oh, yeah. you're going to be in big trouble. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a lot different than what Hunter's got going on. And I, when, when Hunter's dad gets home, you know what? He gets money. Here's the thing I figured out, and you don't, it's totally, when it's, I was just sitting around the other day as my child was uh, screaming at me at like 1 a.m., and I was trying to figure out what she wanted, and I was doing some some reflection on my life, and it's amazing the things as a kid that you just don't think about that even exist or even ponder their existence. Then as an adult, you look at them and go, oh my gosh, that's a, that's wild. And what I realize now as an adult that I did not realize as a child, I actually, my mother was playing some sort of mind Jedi tricks on me <laughs> by which she was seeming to be stern. However, she allowed my father to be the bad guy and even if it was not an actual threat of force, when your father gets home, you're going to be in big trouble to where, because when you're 10 years old, you don't know anything about anything. You think, my mom's really the nice one. Mm-hmm. And de- and my dad is the, <laughs> is the mm-hmm. mean one. And I realize now as an adult, that's exactly what she was doing. And it's just brilliant beyond belief. They were playing good cop, bad cop. On he you. wasn't playing anything. He had no <laughs> idea what was going on. <laughs> Let's talk about what's going on with Hunter Biden and all of his money. So James Comer, who is the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, he released a third memo and it details the Biden family foreign business dealings. Let's see. Oh, Hunter Biden raked in a cool $1 million from the uh, Ukrainian gas company Burisma. Oh, yeah. And this just oh so coincidentally happened right when his dad took over the Ukraine portfolio in 2014. Oh, he got $142,300 the same year to buy a car, which he later traded in for a Porsche. And then yet another $3.5 million from this Russian billionaire. Uh, other records show funding went to nine different members of the Biden clan. So collectively, yeah. and, and there's a really, really interesting article out about this. Fox News actually has the story, as do many other outlets now. Um, I mean, it's not in debate. It's not he said, she said. It's obviously very clearly happened. Uh, in total, because of these bank records released by the House GOP, Hunter Biden's total payments from Russian and Kazakh oligarchs cleared $20 million. Yeah. Where, what, where did all of that money go, Casey? Hmm. 
I mean, we know with Hunter, it's like it went to sitting in shell companies, well, and yeah, LLCs, it, offshore banking. You know, with Hunter, it went to blow and hookers and right. things like that. But he didn't spend twenty million on blow and hookers. Where did it go? <laughs> you sure about that? It went to all the family members. They're splitting it up. And, you know, with everything that's been going on, with the inflation at record year highs, with the mortgage rate up at 7% and gas prices near $4 a gallon, I thought the Bidens want this money so much. They're so corrupt that they're willing to sell out the United States of America. I've got a better plan. Yes. What's the population of this country? 330 million-ish? Yes. yes. If every individual just gave a dime, one dime, uh-huh. we could give them their $33 million, <laughs> put it in a fund, and say, here's money, get out of office, leave. Isn't it fascinating that not only have they done the things, which again, if you're a reason, a person of any sort of reason, and you can eliminate your partisan ideology from the equation the average person if you took the name biden off and you looked at what is alleged to have happened here there's not a jury in the world who wouldn't convict these people of this stuff but isn't it fascinating that not only did they do it they're not even good at it and it has taken all of these years i mean it's so blatantly obvious it has taken all these years to even and not that they they obviously haven't been held to any sort of account but even to get it in the public eye or the public sphere and that shows how much the media if the media actually wanted to get joe biden he would probably be in federal prison right now hmm. Not only would he be impeached, if the media, if it were Trump, if you flipped it and it were Trump and it's the never ending digging and obsession with getting someone, he would totally be donezo right now. But because the media will protect him, it's like pulling teeth to ever get these stories into the ether where people can consume them. I saw a report uh, over the weekend that said something like the mainstream media has devoted 442 minutes to the Trump indictments and four minutes to the Hunter Biden payoff. Can we play this exchange between Joe Biden and this reporter uh, when he was talking about this? Oh, on the uh, Weather Channel? About a, yes, about a climate change <laughs> emergency. Mm-hmm. Okay, so first of all, he's doing the thing where he's um, just saying things that are inaccurate about climate emergency. That's one part of it. But then in the middle of this interview, he stops mid-sentence proceeds to tell this reporter that she has a bug on her and then starts touching her Mm -hmm. and swiping it off. I mean, it's just the weird, the inappropriate, like it just listen. Are you prepared to declare a national emergency with respect to climate change? We've already done that. National emergency, we've conserved more land. We've moved into, we've rejoined the Paris Climate Accord. We've passed a $368 billion climate control facility. We're we're, we're moving. It is the existential threat to humanity. So you've already declared that national emergency. Well, in the practice, you have a bug on it. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. So you've already declared that national emergency. Practically speaking, yes. Okay, so first of all, he is not, he is 100% not declared a national emergency on climate change. You would think, look, I get you're the president of the United States. There may be things you remember or have better detailed memories of. You do a million things. You'd think you'd probably remember, Casey, whether you've declared a national emergency. Well, we don't want him to declare a national climate emergency because you know what that means? He's going to force us all back into our houses again. But another thing, 
so that was him trying to deflect. He didn't want to answer that. And good for that Weather Channel reporter, in air quotes, for repeating the question, making him answer it again. And he says, in practice, we've declared a national emergency. What was it? Did he say that we spent $360 million on a weather facility? I mean, I get the bug thing is just weird as he's flicking this bug off of her shoulder. But Kevin, can we play that again one more time? It's weird to touch someone. You wait, wait a second, though, real quick. You're, I feel like you're. They're you're, total strangers. You're burying the lead, and it is this creepy old guy who has a track record of touching people and making them feel uncomfortable and acting inappropriate. And he's just touching mm-hmm. some woman he doesn't even know. No, he doesn't know her at all. They're just having this conversation and he leans in and she's like looks at him like uh, thanks and then repeats the question but listen to what he says right before that are you prepared to declare a national emergency with respect to climate change i've already done that no national emergency. we've conserved more land we've moved into we've rejoined the paris climate accord we passed a 368 billion dollar climate control facility okay that's it we're, we're, we're moving it's the it is the existential threat to humanity so you've already declared that national emergency. Well, in the practice, you have a bug on it. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. So you've already declared that national emergency. Practically speaking, yes. Yeah. A $360 million climate control facility. Where is this? In, in Los Alamos? Is that in the limestones in Missouri? What is he talking about? Are you aware of a facility? Is there some magical building in the country that can now control the weather? Casey. No, the answer's no. Casey. The what, answer's what, what, no. What was it that he said earlier to Peter Ducey? That's a... That's a lousy that's question. That's a lousy question. <laughs> By the way, the guy who owns the Weather Channel, I yeah. mean, this guy, he's he's just as lib as they come. He bought the Weather Channel in 2018 for $300 million. He donates to the Democrat Party all the time. But is this what Joe Biden thinks he's going to get away with during this campaign season? That he's going to go on the Weather Channel and get asked these questions from reporters, air quotes, and not have to go to any debates or really campaign because they did no follow-up questions at all. If I were her, I'd have been like, tell me more about this facility. Yeah, but Casey, he did it last time and he got away with it. So why wouldn't he think he could do it again? All right, Casey, when we come back, there Mm -hmm. is so much drama involving libraries right now Mm -hmm. in central Indiana. Is it lesson time? Well, we are. Look, we're so distracted on what book is in what section and what book's in and what book's out. The actual issue here is the way libraries are funded and the and the way they are governed and it is creating a complete lack of accountability to the taxpayers. And until this is fixed, the issue with the libraries is not going to be fixed. We will educate. We will entertain. We will solve the problem when we come back. <laughs> it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Nineteen minutes after ten, it's Kendall and Casey on ninety-three WIBC. So we're talking about libraries a lot today, and it got me thinking: Who goes to the library still? A lot of people do that. I mean, you got your Kindle, you got the internet. 
are, are, are we still going to the library? It turns out, yes. Over 174 million people in this country are registered at the local library. It's nearly half the population. And uh, people, yes, still going to the library, although it is dropping a bit, 21% since the year 2009. And college uh, people with college degrees are more likely to visit a public library. 51% of people have been to a library within the past year. And in the past three years, the average adult has made 10.5 trips to the library. Okay, so what we're about to do, you will only hear on this show, and this is why we are so wildly popular, because not only do we entertain, but we also educate. And the reason we are able to educate is you have someone such as myself who lived inside this world, not the world of the public library, but the world of local government for basically five years of my existence on this earth. And arguably, no one knows more about this stuff and about local government than me, even though I've been out of it for a very long time. When I say I lived it, I mean I lived it. And there is so much drama in our public library system right now in the state of Indiana. We focused a lot on Hamilton County and the Hamilton East Public Library. And, oh, well, what books should be where and what books should be in and what books should be out. And you're this and you're a groomer and you're a that and you're a Marxist and, you know, whatever. The issue will not be resolved until we resolve how libraries are governed and how they are funded because there is a huge void of accountability based on the ability of the library to tax without representation. And so what I mean by this is if you were to open your property tax bill right now, you would see a group of what they call taxing authorities. So for example, where I live in Brownsburg, the the town is a taxing authority, the county is a taxing authority, We have a fire territory that oversees the town and the townships. They're a taxing authority. Uh, The school corporation uh, is an egregious taxing um, (laughs) authority. The township where you live is a taxing authority. And the library is a taxing authority. That means when you pay your property taxes, you pay money that goes to the public library. You are taxed by the public library. And that is true in almost every public library in the state of Indiana, they have taxing authority. They set a budget and that budget is approved like every other budget by the county. And that tax rate is set based on the approval of that budget. And then there's circuit breakers with the tax caps, et cetera. However, unlike your county, you know, commissioners and council, or unlike your township, which is trustees, or unlike your council or your towns or cities, which are councils and mayors, or unlike your, um, uh, 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 school board uh, schools, which are school boards, the library is not a board which sets that taxing authority, and the governance of the library is not elected by the voters. It is the only office I can think of in the state of Indiana that has a taxing authority at a local level that is not voted on by the voters. And every community does their library set up a little bit different. So Hamilton East, which is Hamilton County, for example, two of those appointments are done by the Hamilton County Council. That's one of what MICA is. Two are done by the Noblesville School Board. Two are done by the Hamilton County Commissioners. And one is done by the Hamilton Southeastern School Board. So you have a bunch of political appointments who have taxing and governing authority 
who are not accountable every four years to the voters. So all they have to do in order to keep their positions is keep these select groups of people happy. Well, then you have a natural conflict in the sense of like in Brownsburg, we are, our school board is run by four radical left lunatic maniacs. They get three appointments to that board. Even if we had conservatives on the commissioners and council in Hendricks County where I live, which we don't, they get two appointments on the council and commissioners. You have a natural conflict, which is what is happening in Hamilton at the Hamilton East Library, where you have no doubt the the very liberal members appointed by many of these school boards, same thing in Brownsburg. Well, even if you had conservatives of the other appointments, you have natural conflict because it's not a reflection of, of the community or will of the voters. It's a reflection of the polit- the politicians who make set appointments. It's the will of the school board. It, right. In the case of Brownsburg, they're going to con- basically control the whole conversation. Now, Hamilton Southeastern got some conservatives on their school board, other than, of course, raising your taxes, which they're about to do with their with their referendum. But at least socially, they tend to be more conservative. So the problem you have here, and this is unfixable until they fix the way the libraries are governed, because you should not have a person with taxing authority, which can affect what you pay every single year that is not an elected person. We will fix this issue and right or wrong, whether the library is super liberal content or you know stuff I don't agree with or, or stuff I totally agree with, at least it would be a reflection of the community or if indeed it is a political appointment and we are acknowledging this is only political anyway, then you have to take away their ability to have taxing authority because right now we have taxation without representation, natural conflict. You have no idea whether the will of the community is actually being served. It's a he said, she said, and it's a bunch of very expensive drama like in the case of Hamilton East Public Library. Okay, with the library boards, how long do the appointments last? Uh, they but, vary. But yeah, and, and, and this, is, this is another problem, which is... If you're going to have, people should have the right to know, hey, who is on, and and by the way, if you're going to do this, you have to make them run in primaries. You cannot do it like the school board. We've seen what an absolute disaster the school board thing has been because, again, the legislature carved out this special little exemption for school boards where you must, you don't need to declare a party affiliation. And that's why in these supposed Republican communities, you have all these super liberal people on these school boards because they can hide behind not having to declare party affiliation. If you're going to do this, which you should, make people run in primaries. Let's see who the, whether the people want Democrats in Hamilton County running their libraries or or Republicans. It's just a pathetic system of governance, and we're going to see more and more and more of this until the state steps in and actually either says one of two things. This is a super political appointment, and we want people to play politics in the library, or it is not a political appointment. And if we're going to continue to give them the taxing authority, the ability to extract money from you and from your property where you live or the business you run, then the people should get to pick those those people who run the library. So make these library boards run for library board and declare what party. Yes, and then let's have, an, let's have an adult conversation with every person mm-hmm. running about whether they want books with sexual content in the children's section. Yep. And if the community wants that, then fine. That's the will of the voter. But these these goofy ways that we pick things, you look at the, there are two areas that are arguably have become the most dysfunctional and um, toxic right now in our state are libraries and schools. What do those two things have in common? They have super weird cutouts in the way either they're elected in the case of school boards that don't apply to anybody else 
or super weird ways in which they're governed, which is they're appointed. You don't get to have a say in it. Isn't that weird and wacky, Mm -hmm. Casey, Mm -hmm. that the two most toxic, dysfunctional, arguably partisan governances that have taxing authority are the two that the state has given carve-outs to make them different than everybody else. Yeah, says you don't have to tell us which way you stand. It is 1027 with Kevin Isn't and Casey our, this is where and 93 WIBC. Where else are you going to hear that? That's fantastic where information. Else? I should be in a museum somewhere, Casey. <laughs> hey, uh, you had a big, big show yesterday with Ethan Hatcher. Uh, I did, and I'd like to point out that when I said I should be in a museum somewhere, mm-hmm. Kurt Darling rolled his eyes. He would probably like to see me locked up in a facility somewhere. Um, but that's I mean, okay. kind Kurt- of like a museum. <laughs> yes. Uh, I was getting ready to say something nice about you in the news being next. But yes, <laughs> Ethan and I had a... Well, we had a back and forth yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I it was, uh, what's the, was it, I've stand so much till I can't stands no more uh, with Ethan on a topic involving Donald Trump. And we got a lot of phone calls about these spirited back and forth. But in the meantime, I'm going to take the high road and tell you you should stick around because the award-winning Kurt Darling is next <laughs> with the news. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's time to hear from you. Kendall and Casey present Voicemails. Brought to you by QC Kinetics for non-surgical regenerative medicine treatments at 317-559-PAIN. I'm so sorry you have just reached my answering machine. The phone number for voicemails, 317-684-8444. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So I was out for a few days taking care of somebody who needed care taken. And while I was out, Ethan Hatcher filled in. And yesterday, it sounds like the two of you, uh, you had a little roundabout, did you not? Well, it was one of the more popular segments we've ever done on this show. (laughs) And that's why we're here is to educate and entertain. Um, So... uh, I had reached my limit on what I felt was Ethan being very dismissive and, quite frankly, insulting of people who believe, and rightfully so, that there were major issues with the 2020 presidential election. Mm-hmm. And Ethan doesn't care for Trump, and I know that, and that's that's fine. It's his prerogative. We clearly have a lot of issues with Trump as well as we laid out here. It's not that. However, and this happens with Trump unlike really anybody else, I think often people's personal opinion of Trump clouds their ability to be, because Ethan is a very smart guy. If you've ever listened to Saturday Night on the Circle, he does a fine job there. That's a nice show. He does a lot of well-thought-out segments, which is so it is surprising to me that he is so dismissive and, quite frankly, I've felt in the past flippant about people who look at obvious areas of concern with the 2020 election. And I had reached my limit with it yesterday. And finally, I just told him, I said, I'm done with this and I'm done with you. And I went on about a three or four minute rant Mm -hmm. because I am a person who believes there were serious issues with the 2020 presidential election, as should any person who says, when you just have governors and secretaries of state just walking out in the middle of the summer going, hey, Oh, without any vote of the legislature whatsoever or input from the people who are elected to serve the people, we're just going to change the way we do elections. Mm -hmm. 
And whether that is in Indiana where they just changed the election day or other places like Pennsylvania where more serious stuff took place, which is we'll just mail everyone a ballot. Mail in ballots, yeah. And, uh, that was so weird. We're going to have no oversight whatsoever. Yeah. We just hope that'll get back in time. Or whether it's in places like Michigan or Georgia where Trump's winning into the middle of the night and then all of these states at the same time, well, they just switched. Boy, isn't that amazing? Oh, we stopped counting and then the next morning, hey, Trump lost. What do you know? And then magically, a bunch of ballots just got dropped off. And we talked about this yesterday. Ben Stein, who's one of the greatest Americans who's ever lived, and many of you know I did his podcast for a long time, and he was just just incredible to be around him, who is by no means a radical right-winger. Ben Stein is as establishment Republican as you can possibly get. Once said on on that show, and he, you know he's a mathematician and, and an economist, it is statistically impossible for what happened in 2020 to happen. The odds of that actually happening, it is beyond expressing how statistically impossible what happened in 2020 is to have happened, and it happened. So the point of all that was that you are not a conspiracy theorist if you look at Pennsylvania and Michigan and other places and go, that's wrong. That should not have happened. That raises a red flag. And when it happens in swing state after swing state after swing state after swing state, mm-hmm. where ten to 15,000 votes decide the difference, and wow, man, wow, amazing, magically they found the votes. They just kept going until they found them. It doesn't make you a crackpot or a lunatic or someone or an insurrectionist. And I was just done with it. Oh, mm-hmm. no, you're not going to say that anymore. You can say it. It's your show. And I'll push back on you too, but I'm certainly not going to let the fill-in guy do that. And so uh, we love Ethan. He's a really great guy. He Everyone should totally listen to Saturday Night on The Circle. But I'd reach my limit. And a lot of people called today because they wanted to weigh in. So we love you, Ethan. I see you in the chat. You're great. Let's go. Rob, your tirade to Ethan yesterday was so spot on, and I loved it. Um, just because millions of Americans feel like some states subverting their legislatures to change laws and make it easier to, quote unquote, vote during a pandemic by God only knows who does not make me or those millions of Americans crackpots. We believe in the rule of law and we believe that legislatures should have been involved so that the voice of the people was heard, not just the voice of secretaries of state and Democratic governors. Thanks. Have a great day. Welcome back, Casey. Mm. Yeah. Questioning what happened in 2020. That is your First Amendment right. It's been happening in elections since the beginning of this country. We got a lot of phone calls, so I will limit the commentary right now because I want to make sure all of these are heard. Uh, Go ahead, Kev. So because Trump's lawyers can improve that there was election fraud in 2020. That means it didn't happen. So I guess that means O.J. Simpson is an innocent man and didn't kill those two people because they couldn't prove he did that. As for whether or not 2020 was a national conspiracy, uh, in my opinion, yes and no. It wasn't national in terms of it occurring in every single state, but Democrats, I think, chose their stand in some of the key swing states, such as Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Arizona. Uh, Michigan with the ballot dump. Pennsylvania with, the, as you say, the mass unaccountable mail-in voting. And Arizona with the shady ballots. Uh, Arizona, I think, just audited their 
ballots from 2020 and discovered over 50,000 of them to be questionable and possibly should not have been counted. Um, you had Hillary Clinton telling Joe Biden not to, to concede no matter what happens on the night of the election because she knew what was going to happen. And what happened? Trump was way ahead across the board in 2020. Joe Biden didn't concede. And by the next morning, it was all fixed so that Biden could win. And and one of the things that was really frustrating yesterday is Ethan said, well, why didn't the courts blah, blah, blah? Because you are talking about a finite amount of time by which you had to figure out what the hell went on. It takes these states forever to even certify these elections. And that's why January 6th was so important. When you had, like in Pennsylvania, the Republicans there waving their hands going, no, don't certify this. We're telling you, we are the governance. We have huge problems with this. Once the election is is certified and Joe Biden is sworn in, what is the Supreme Court really going to do? And you're talking about the level you would have to reach in order to be able to prove the thing. They're not going to overturn that. That's why the election integrity is so important. That's why not having mass mail-in balloting is so important. That's why the Republicans in Pennsylvania, who were a part of the governance, they're not, you know, militiamen. We're talking about actually elected people in Pennsylvania. We're going, this is crap. Someone please stop this. The court, you're, I'm not even sure if you, if you had definitive proof of the Russians manipulating the ballot box that the Supreme Court, by the time it got to them, would have been like, yeah, nope, can't do that. I'm not, I'm not, that would even be even more weird and wacky and precedented. So just because the Supreme Court didn't go, yeah, you're right, overturn. Well, then what? Do we have another election? That's why the election integrity is so important and why people lost their minds mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. it was going on. Yeah. All right, what's next? I'm riding my bicycle this morning. You know, I listen to the show every day. I'm a big fan. Um, got to tell you, I'm one of those guys that don't really care much for you, but still tune in. Period. But right now, after you set that gentleman straight you're working with, you're probably my favorite person, man. <laughs> Rock on, brother. Keep going. Well, you know, hate mail always goes to the front of the line, so that's why we didn't put it up first. Mm, yeah. Compliments really well, I think don't do much for the, me. These, these phone calls just prove. Well, and that's what I wanted to... And, Everybody's you know, been questioning. Well, and that's this is what... We love Ethan, and again, he's totally welcome back here anytime, and, and he's a great guy, and everybody should keep listening to him. But I'm playing these phone calls, mm-hmm. because I, I know he's listening, and he's in the chat, and he's a great listener. I hope he is understanding these are totally reasonable people. Like, these are not, again, tinfoil hat-wearing crackpot lunatics. Right. This is our audience. Mm-hmm. Millions of law-abiding, tax-paying, hard-working people who go to work every single day and contribute to society feel the same way of the things Donald Trump is is expressing. Yeah. What's next, Kev? Hi, Rob and Casey and Ethan. I mentioned this to Rob last Friday at the State Fair. The post office has hired, and you can go look it up, there's jobs available for contract workers to deliver mail. I've seen them. They don't wear uniforms. They drive a little truck. They carry mail in their hand, strolling along. Don't tell me that that is not going to have an effect or could have an effect on this mail-in ballot idea. 
which I think is wrong. And because people used to be able to get to the polls, and now everybody's too weak to get to the polls. And just look at the problems of hiring anybody anywhere and the type of people that they can get. And now the post office is going to hire these people that just shuffle along and drop letters wherever somebody tells them to? I don't know. I wonder. Obviously, they're not working for the United States Postal Service. They're working for a contract company Mm -hmm. that is hired by the Postal Service. Mm -hmm. I don't understand how that's happening. Yeah, she's talking about contract workers, and you're not going to be as loyal as if you actually work for the company. And, and again, she's not making that up. I've talked to somebody who works in the post office. They said absolutely not. They needed to do that. It's public. They're advertising for it. They're trying to get it. Their post office is desperately understaffed. And they do. There's photographic evidence of these people who are out delivering letters and stuff. They're not wearing uniforms. They're not, you know, you have no, they have no idea. You know how hard it is to, if you're a federal agency, which the post office is, to even vet the people that actually work for you that go through the vetting process, much less just random companies that have people working for them is ludicrous and it's ludicrous to think that with all those unvetted people Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't have people who are now they may not care whether you get your water bill or not maybe they're not interested in shenanigans with that but when it comes to winning elections what are we talking about the difference of was it 46,000 votes I mean it's these it's pathetically small one one contract worker exactly making the difference Uh, one more yeah, this is a message for Ethan. I don't guess he's ever seen the video of poll workers, Democrat poll workers, pulling out cases of ballots from under tables in Georgia. Mm. So please find that video and show it to him and then see what he has to say. Thank you. Ethan's got some homework to do. Well, right. And look, we love Ethan and we know he can take it. And that's why I'm sure he's not sitting right now crying over anything because he's a he's a big boy and he's an adult and he knows. But it is ludicrous to think that all these governors in these swing states that Trump that had been blue forever, that Trump pulled red. It just has happened to happen there. And then (laughs) this is where it's why didn't it happen in Indiana? Why didn't the same thing happen in Indiana? Oh, because we have voter ID in this state. Now, it's stupid that these do-nothings in the House and Senate at the state legislature allowed Holcomb to change Election Day, but they, we still have voter ID. Why didn't it happen in Oklahoma? Why didn't it happen in uh, Kansas? Why did it just happen in all these states that are always the states that decide the elections? And why did it happen in the middle of the night? You can either believe in these just these are all just the big giant most just incredible coincidences in the entire world or something happened and people have the right to question their government and question what happened. Well, the foreshadowing happened with the mail in ballots. If yep. you didn't if, if that didn't make your spidey senses go off, then then I don't, two, I don't know what will. Two two one more thing and then we got to get to a break. In 2012 I knew Obama was going to beat Romney the night before the election. All the polls were like, oh, my gosh, it's so close. And Romney's gaining. And I knew it was over because the night before the election, Obama went home and shot baskets at home. Romney's out doing rallies and he's this thing and he's that thing. Obama was like, it's over. I'm going home. I've got the polling clear shows. I can just go put my feet up. And I was was like, you people are crazy. He's going to win and win easily. And he did. What did Biden do all of 2020? He was in the basement. He was in his basement. Yeah. 
They knew he didn't need to campaign. There's no way that's a coincidence. And you are going to tell me that ding dong got 80 million votes. No way. <laughs> All right. Exercising break. your First Amendment. It's beautiful, Rob. It is 1048. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Good morning, it is 1053. You're listening to Kendall and KC on 93 WIBC. Oh, that's good stuff, Kev. That is the band. It is band day on the show because of Robbie Robertson, who is the guitar player, kind of the maestro of the band passed away at 80. He, he did a really good cover of Rod Stewart's Broken Arrow about a decade ago. If you want to hear some of his current music, select that. Casey, and I love you, but no person in the history of ever has ever heard a classic rocker and said, I can't wait for some of their current music. <laughs> it's, it's a nice version, though. <laughs> you should know this. You worked in rock radio for mm-hmm. many years. Yeah, you're saying his best work is covering Rod Stewart. <laughs> No, I said he did a slap it. in the face. I didn't say that was his best work, guys. I said it was a nice C- congratulations. Congratulations on being the maestro of one of the most influential bands in rock history. Hey, some of his new work is wonderful. It is. It's, well, you know what? It, it brought me to Robbie Robertson. Uh, real quick, so I have a question for you. Yeah. And, and uh, I saw this a guy named Robert Swan died yesterday, and okay. you may be like. Who the hell is Robert Swan? Yeah. And, you, and so is I am else. like that. He was a very prominent character actor in the 80s and 90s in the sense of he was a, a bit player. Okay. And he was in all sorts of movies. Probably people here would most remember him from the movie Hoosiers. He was the assistant basketball coach to Gene Hackman. Okay. Not, not obviously the... the uh, the the shooter character, but the other one, kind of the quiet spoken guy. I think he was also the the pastor in the, in the movie. Um, and he was in Rudy. He was in the Babe, which was the John Goodman movie about Babe Ruth. He was in the Untouchable. Oh yeah, he was. I mean, the, you see the guy, you would totally know him. But I mean, he was never he was never a leading man. He was never a huge star. But he was in a gajillion notable movies and had memorable roles. And he was seventy eight years old. He still lived here in Indiana when when he when he passed away. Rolling Prairie was where he still lived till till his death. He was seventy eight. So my question to you, Casey, mm-hmm. would you rather be a guy like this, who had all these memorable, just little roles in all these memorable movies, or would you rather be like a Nicolas Cage who had a couple of mega movies and then your star flamed out and now you're kind of just the the butt of the joke? What would you rather, would you rather have one or two huge movies and then be a butt of a joke or a guy like this who worked forever in memorable movies but had little, little roles? Wow, that's a tough one because you could hit it big and then make a ton of money and then retire. Yeah. Or you could continue to work and, uh, you know, your craft, keep going. Boy, Rob, I don't know. I've never, (laughs) clearly have never had to I'm honestly going to rather be this guy. Yeah, have and and continue to work and continue to collect a paycheck. Uh, No, I don't know. Because you think of like if Robert Swan went to his local Wendy's, he was not being bombarded with autographs or a need for security. But forever, when you would see the dude, you'd be like, oh, yeah, he was really great and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Remember, he had like three lines in the movie. I almost think I'd rather be this guy. You'd rather have the be the bit player? No, you wouldn't. You'd rather be Nick Cage. You'd rather have the big starring role. Yeah, you're right. I got a pretty I, big ego. I can tell. Yeah. Yes, you you want to be the big star. Yeah, that's probably true. I'll be the bit player. That's why we work so well together. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Good morning.
Get to 